To get inside the head of the missing young man I'd set out to find, I sat in the driver's seat of his abandoned vehicle and studied the interior. Fast food detritus, dirty clothes, and empty cigarette cartons littered the seats and floorboards. The upholstery was stained. The windows were greasy. I'm a tad fastidious, but in this context, I considered Gabriel Parker's messy habits to be a good thing. Perhaps, like fairy tale children with their breadcrumbs, my lost hiker had left evidence behind in his wake. It was October 1995. Parker's car was parked at a trailhead near the Grand Canyon's North Rim. I was a 31 year old supervisory park ranger for the National Park Service, NPS, with a distinguished graduate diploma from the Federal Law Enforcement Academy in my file and an impressive number of search and rescue, SAR missions, padding my resume. Before coming to Arizona, I'd worked in Yosemite Valley, California, one of the busiest search and rescue districts in the world. When it came to locating overdue hikers and plucking them from nature's danger zones, I considered myself experienced. The tourists paid me no mind as they exited their own cars and hurried toward the cliffs in search of the best view of the sunset before nightfall turned the canyon's orange reds to purple black. I spotted a cheap day pack left behind in the back seat and inventoried the contents. When I unzipped an exterior pocket and saw it was filled with crushed cigarettes, I was charmed by the conscientiousness, but also disappointed. Parker treated his car like a trash can, but when hiking, he made Woodsy Owl proud. There would not be a trail of discarded cigarette butts leading us to this missing hiker. On the dashboard, positioned in a manner to keep the driver company, sat a beanbag frog with googly eyes. It looked handmade, perhaps a gift from someone who cared about Parker. I made eye contact with the frog. It smiled back at me with a weary grin sewn into its face. According to the initial report, Gabriel Parker had left his home in Olympia, Washington on September 15th. He was 20, unemployed, and living in a friend's apartment. I've got to stand on my own two feet, he said to his roommate before driving away. By the time a park ranger in Arizona noticed Parker's car gathering dust in the trailhead parking lot, it was almost Halloween. As the operations chief, I was in charge of coordinating and leading the physical search effort to find Parker in collaboration with the planning officer, who, per protocol, took a more cerebral role in helping me delineate and prioritize search areas. Working under the presumption that our subject most likely parked his car and went hiking, the search team focused on the paths that spoke out from Parker's vehicle. During our nightly recap meetings, we discussed all the clues and tips that searchers and investigators brought in and adjusted our search strategy accordingly. One day, for example, a ranger informed me that a cadaver dog had alerted near a clifftop. The next morning, I directed him to scout the bottom of the 400-foot wall of limestone from a helicopter. He found nothing. Back inside the command post, I updated the missing man's dad and explained the search process displayed on our maps. We even flew him over the search area in the park helicopter to show him how difficult it can be to find a person lost in a massive park of steep canyons and forested plateaus. A professional searcher should remain impartial and objective during a mission, but once you meet the family, it's nearly impossible to not become emotionally invested in reuniting the missing with their loved ones. 
Over the course of this particular operation, I'd become fond of both Parker and his father, Doug, who showed me the photos that he'd framed from Parker's high school graduation. That night, in my journal, I wrote, The boy's smile is so genuine, I can't help but like him. On day seven, it was time to wind down the search effort. Soon, I would have to hand over the operation to local rangers who would respond to any new leads, but discontinue active searching while I returned home to resume my normal duties on the canyon's south rim. When I informed Parker's father about this impending change in leadership, his body slumped. He knew this meant the NPS would soon call off the search. He also suspected this meant I thought his son was dead. It's okay to stop searching. I placed my hand toward him on the conference table, trying to bridge the distance between us. You've done your best. You've been a good father. Your son would be proud of how hard you've worked to find him. Doug looked away, his voice cracked, releasing a feeble sob. I don't know what else to do.